Welcome to the Ask the 401k Experts podcast, where you get strategies, resources, and best practices for growing a successful and compliant 401k practice. And now, here's your host, Sharon Pivarato. Today, I'm here with Corey Clark uh, of Dallas, and he was kind enough and generous enough to answer some questions for me about the a couple of products that they offer for advisors. And the first one that we're going to talk about um, is the registered fiduciary certification. So Corey, if you wouldn't mind um, helping me with this question, and, and it's how would you explain, just simply how would you explain what the registered fiduciary certification is and why would an advisor want to earn that? So uh, the registered fiduciary is really about the standard of care that the the advisor provides it, it, it the cornerstone is that fiduciary standard of care which in some cases will be a higher standard of care uh, than is required by regulations uh, so rf has coursework just like any other uh, certification does uh, it but the, the cornerstone is it requires the individual to be a fiduciary with all of their dealings with all of their clients so it's not just the fact that coursework was completed or that there's a certain amount of knowledge that was affirmed. It's also the fact that uh, that, that individual is taking the utmost responsibility for the advice that they provide uh, as a fiduciary. Also a rigorous background check. So we're, we're doing uh, that sort of due diligence as well on, on the individual, looking at a criminal background check, looking at FINRA, SEC, client disputes, things of that nature. So all of those things coming together essentially uh, provides the advisor with uh, third-party validation to clients and prospective clients that say, I'm best in class, I'm, I'm, I'm top in the industry, I have experience, I have knowledge, I have a clear background, uh, and most importantly, um, unequivocally a fiduciary. Got it. Um, in, in talking about the coursework, I'm curious, is the coursework, the, the 401k advisor training, something that advisors can go to the Dalbar site and buy without, without ever going and getting the RF certification? Is that something that's available to anybody or is it only part of the certification? It is. It is available to, to everybody. Um, so we have, we have two, two trainings that could be used by an RF candidate. One is wealth management, which sort of excludes the, the ERISA portion of the business. And then we have our 401k and similar plans, uh, which is essentially has all the ERISA nuances. Uh, so those, so one could choose either one of those, of those paths to become an RF. Uh, but also both of those trainings are available just ad hoc. So we have a, a training site that has RF related training, which doesn't need to be for a candidate. It could just be for uh, an advisor for their knowledge that they want to gain. Uh, maybe it's for CE for something else. Um, but we also have HSA training, you know, other, other trainings that are within that training site. And so all of that is available unrelated to RF as well. But that does include the wealth management and the 401k training, which is part of the RF process as well. Okay. Um, and, and would a person need to go through both wealth management and 401k or can they specify which one they want? They get to specify. So we, we strongly advise that if one does ERISA business to go with the ERISA training because of the nuances that exist within ERISA that, that don't you know, exist within the regular non-retirement 
um, realm. So that would be what we would recommend. But if someone doesn't do ERISA business, it just wouldn't make sense to study and take an exam that's um, ERISA oriented. So you, one has the, the choice. We would advise those who do ERISA business to, to take that exam and, and go through that studying, but it's not a requirement. You could choose one or the other. Uh, so there's training associated with both exams. And once the training is completed, then, um, then the candidate takes the associated exam, the exam that's associated with the study material that they had. That makes sense. Okay. One thing I did notice on the website is it indicated that candidates for the RF are required to undergo the RF fiduciary training, but it does state unless accepted by existing knowledge. What does that mean and what's the exception? Yeah, so ultimately this comes down to the fact that the training is optional. So we have folks that have been in the industry you know, maybe 30, 40 years and they just, they don't want to take more coursework and they feel that they, they know enough about the industry and, and the fiduciary standard and that they, they can just take the test and they don't want to go through that. Now, as you may imagine, our pass rate is much lower in, in those circumstances, but it is true. So for those that are well-schooled and, and have been in the industry for a long time, they can take the exam and it's possible for them to pass it. So that's, that's sort of our way of saying that if you, if you feel that you can take the exam and demonstrate your knowledge without going through the self-study, you're allowed to do that. The way we word it, I think we want to encourage people to get the training because it, it, it doesn't, I don't, it's, it's better for everyone if, if they're going through the training and learning uh, all of the nuances that we want an RF to learn. Um, but we don't want to force it on folks that, that feel that they may, they may not need it. And uh, so that's, that's what that language really comes down to is the fact that you can be accepted if you're willing to take the exam without the training. Now, the caveat being if you fail it, um, then you will be required to, to get the study material before taking the exam again. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That was my next question is, is how many times <laughs> can you take the exam? Oh. Yeah. All right. Um, your website indicates that you actively promote the value of the RF. How do you do that? So one of the things that we, we have not done as far as promotion is we're not promoting the RF to the end consumer or the investor. You know, you, you haven't, no one's seen any RF commercials, you know, during the golf tournament or anything like that. Um, but what we do do uh, is we, we provide uh, promotion, I would say, within the industry. Um, so one way is we want to work with, with the RFs to help them promote it to the public the best that they can. So the credential document that we provide, uh, the, the certificates, uh, is, is meant to explain the value and the details behind the RF and the background check that was conducted, so on and so forth. Um, we want, we have our RF website where there's a profile for each advisor. They can have their picture information about their practice. Um, and that's a place where from time to time consumers will go uh, to look for a fiduciary advisor. Uh, so we do that. And then we also work with our, with our RFs to try to promote uh, maybe through social media and in any other means. I mean, we really don't want to pigeonhole the way that we might help promote it with a with an individual, um, you know, we would work with that individual. They have an idea, you know, we'll work with you and try to and try to create the greatest exposure for you and, and the greatest benefit of your practice for getting the RF. Now, outside, there's a few ways that we do it as well. 
So we've done work with various advisor referral services over the years. Uh, and so those folks are all looking for someone that can, can vet the advisors that are a part of the program. And so and we've done this on a few different occasions over the years. Uh, and, and so we would provide that due diligence and they would give those who are RFs um, preferential treatment as far as who would be displayed in the search, you know, at the top of the search, things of that nature. Um, Another example is we are, um, you know, the trainings and the things that we have internally. So we create tools and we have things that we work on. Um, some examples, compensation compliance testing, um, some plan auditing that, that we'll talk about a little bit later. And all of those things, we always have our RFs in mind and they always get the first bite at the apple um, to access those discounts on those um, and any other sort of partnerships that we can foster with, with outside vendors. So it's, there's not a static you know, suite of those things that are in place year after year after year, but it sort of evolves and rolls through as, as new opportunities and, and new things come along. Um, opportunities to be part of like a beta test for things, um, those sorts of opportunities. Nice. Okay. Um, here's, Here's kind of a big, big question because really it's who, who are you looking to go through this process? Who is the ideal person? Um, advisors are looking at the retirement designation guide and they see the RF in there. Um, which advisor or, or what is your ideal RF advisor look like? Well, it, you know, it, 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 it's a broad spectrum, I mean, not to sit on the fence too much here on this question, but on one side, you know, your registered rep could have a, a great interest in becoming an RF, where on the other side of the spectrum, your independent RIA would too, but probably for different reasons. So on the RIA side, um, one might say that the, the greatest differentiation of the, of the advisor, the fiduciary advisor, um, is, is being threatened and potentially watered down by new regulations coming, um, I th we're expecting by the end of the year from the SEC, a best interest regulation. So you know, the thought being, well, I'm a fiduciary. I do what's in best interest. That was my differentiating factor as a fiduciary advisor. And now... A broker dealer is essentially doing uh, providing what is some sort of mezzanine level of care, which is best interest level. So that's kind of watering down that differentiation between brokerage and advisory. Uh, so I think that for the RIA, this solidifies that differentiation. You know, taking the uh, the language away from best interest and back to fiduciary, because that is ultimately where the differentiation is, because it's not the same thing. Although colloquially, how do we differentiate? Um, also, you could be a registered rep who uh, does insurance business. Maybe you live in New York and you're concerned about regulations on the horizon that are going to make you a fiduciary um, from, the, the, uh, from the insurance side. Or maybe you are practicing in Nevada or in another state, and so maybe the the regulatory scheme from the SEC isn't a worry, but the state regulatory scheme may cause a problem. So ultimately the fiduciary bell has rung. So if you are not a fiduciary or your fiduciary duly registered, sometimes you are, sometimes you aren't, there's a benefit in raising your level of care to all of your dealings with all of your clients. Um, so, so yeah, so from the RIA's perspective, it's about furthering that differentiation from the registered reps perspective, uh, it may be that you're just reading the tea leaves and seeing that you know, this model 
may not survive for you know much longer. I mean, if you if you're early in your career, I would seriously considering going with an advisory model because over the next twenty years, there's some doubt, you know, at least in in, in my mind as to how far that model is going to go. No, I, I agree with you there. Um, have you found though on the broker registered website that there's limits on who's allowed? Mm -hmm. There are, yeah, there are. So any anyone who is interested in the RF who is affiliated with a broker dealer should check with their broker dealer because uh, we we do have broker dealers that have um, in trying the um, plethora of. of uh, certifications designations that are out there the way that they've just gone about it not surprisingly can't blame them is we're gonna create a list it's gonna be three or four and if it's not on the list you can't you can't do it so uh, you know we're working with firms to get on those lists but uh, you know we're not there are broker dealers that might that might tell you no we don't want you calling yourself a fiduciary because you, we don't we won't allow you to be a fiduciary so yeah that is something that um, advisors and brokers should be cognizant of and, and do a, a bit of research ahead of time and we're happy to work with you to, to speak with folks in the in the, uh, in the office to try to get on that list or, or to try to open up the door um, but there could be restrictions in, in place as it stands right now okay yep good to know and that's one of the reasons why I asked if the training itself was available because as people explore that path and they start to, to look at changing their practice so that they can actually become fiduciaries uh, I, I had a chance to go into the training that you offer, and I think it's, it's extremely, extremely valuable um, for advisors that that haven't um, had haven't been exposed to the the content in your course um, to, to take some time and go through it. Even if they can't get the designation or they don't plan to at this point, um, just having that background knowledge I think is extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And what we were told by some of those broker dealers, well, secondhand through the advisor who was told by the broker dealer, they said, well, we encourage you to do the coursework. We want you all that you can learn, but just don't put registered fiduciary on your business card if our, if our firm is on the business card. So um, that's not true for every broker dealer, but it's out there. So yeah, every, every, um, all advisors should, should check with that and kind of understand what their policy, their broker dealer's policy is ahead of time. Yeah, well, and I think I think it's good for advisors to know too that that while there are so many designation and certification programs out there, even if you don't plan to ultimately get or hold that designation because you're not allowed to, or because um, the the continuing ed requirements aren't something you plan to keep up with, or for whatever reason, I think the training itself on so many of the programs out there, especially this one that I've gone, had a chance to go through it, I think is is invaluable. I have a lot of advisors ask me where should I start or which program should I look at um, and if they're not worried about what designation they're going to add on their business card, um, the the content of the program that you've put together for 401k advisors is extremely valuable. Thanks, I appreciate that. Is My last question is uh, what, what would you say really is the biggest difference between the RF certification and other options out there for advisors? Yeah, so the, the, the biggest difference is, is in the name. It's, it's the fiduciary standard. It's the fact that if you are an RF, you're attesting the fact that you are a fiduciary in all of your dealings with all of your clients. Um, you know, understanding that, you know, a financial planner or CFP, there's a code of conduct that would essentially uh, require them to be a fiduciary. Uh, but what's different about the RF is that 
it says registered fiduciary. You're, you're holding yourself out as a fiduciary to the public, which really thrusts you into the fiduciary realm. Um, it's not so much that, you know, our booklet behind the scenes says that you have to act in the best interest of your client. It's the very essence of being an RF is advertising to the world that you are a fiduciary acting in the best interest of your clients. So I think that that is, is what makes it very different is the fact that any, any client who sees that their prospective uh, advisor or their current advisor is an RF, there's no ambiguity there. They're financial, they're, they're an advisory, they're, they're doing what's in their best interest uh, and taking full responsibility for the advice that they give. I think that the background check is another big one too. And this is where it starts to differentiate because a lot of the, a lot of the certifications are very knowledge based, coursework based, uh, essentially saying that you have this knowledge and we have that too. Uh, but I think what's much more important element to it is the fact that we're, we're screening the RFs, uh, in their background and ensuring that they're providing that fiduciary standard of care. Um, and to my knowledge, there's no other designation that would communicate that same, that same message to a, to a client or to an, an investor that there's, there's no client disputes. There's no, there's no um, issues with, with the, um, with the SEC or FINRA or a criminal bag, all of that kind of stuff I feel makes, makes it a very unique to the advisor and the prudence of hiring that advisor. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything that, that maybe you would want advisors to know that I didn't ask you um, as, as it relates to the RF certification? No, not, not too much. I think that one of the, the very important points which you brought up is, is the idea that, that even if you were not to hold the certification, the coursework, what you can learn can really enhance your practice and enhance your business. And I think that that's, that's an, uh, an important thing uh, to understand for those who may have restrictions for whatever reason. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess I, what I, the only, and then I would say that if you wanted to learn more, we have our website that's dedicated to the, the RF designation is fiduciaryregistry.com. So all one word, kind of tricky because it's the registered fiduciary, but the website is flipped. It's fiduciary registry, <laughs> but that's, that's our website. So you can learn more about that, uh, learn more about it there, uh, apply there. Um, and, and so that would be a good resource for somebody who's interested in learning more. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks. If you want more resources, strategies, and best practices for growing a successful 401k practice, be sure to subscribe to the Ask the Experts podcast in iTunes so you don't miss out on new ideas from future conversations. Then be sure to visit the main site, 401kbestpractices.com. When you enter your email address to join the 401k Best Practice community, you'll get access to my most advanced strategies and resources to grow and protect your 401k business. Again, that's 401kbestpractices.com.